I think what most people forget is that common sense, logic, and reason on this planet has left the building. We've got stark raving lunatics and patients in charge of the asylum. It's quite simple. We have a child that requires heart surgery. They want to give it contaminated blood from people who have been vaccinated where the um, adverse effects include myocarditis, pericarditis, blood clots, and a whole range of other crap. They've got no studies to say it's safe and effective or what they've actually filtered out. So why would you give something that causes heart problems to someone who needs to be saved from a heart problem? Boom, gone. And that reminds me, and this is where we'll bring in Kerry, Kerry Murray from the uh, UK, a Kiwi in the UK, obviously, and part of the United Free Press, um, who's collaborating with us to bring this to you all. Um, he has a four-month-old, and that's why this strikes home to him as well. Kerry, welcome. Yeah, uh, I hope you can hear me okay. Um, I was going to say it's a pleasure to be here, but it's it's really not, actually. It's really unfortunate to be here. Um, I do have a four-month-old, and so um, when I heard of this story, of course, it hit home straight away, and I'm, I'm also from uh, New Zealand. So, um, you know, the story, it, it, it was impossible for me not to put myself in, um, in, in the shoes of Cole and Sam um as they struggle through this and so you know i've been following the story very closely and and mobilized what i could and done what i could uh with the united free press um hopefully to to shed some light on this how widely is it being followed over there in the uk at this stage kerry yeah very widely very widely uh there are a lot of eyes on this story um you know there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of views on this right now i'm sure um and there is a lot on social media as well um i think the story has touched a lot of people and you know we knew we knew that they were coming for the kids we knew that they were coming for the little ones but we just didn't know how and um and this is kind of case in point really and so you know i think the response uh the response to this has been you know has been one of compassion and it's, it's just touched a lot of people. So Kerry, um, what do you think, you know, with the role of new media, I mean, you're part of helping create that. Do you want to talk a little bit about the United Free Press and um, who, who is part of it and, and what is the vision and what is the goal and, and why have you set this up in response to what exactly? Sure. Well, um, the United Free Press is a press association run out of the UK uh, that I set up in uh, with a number of others in um, in April of this year. Um, and really, this was a response to the lack of any kind of uh, press association for the new media coming out of this uh, pandemic that we've been through. So a lot of it is born of this time. It's born of the last several years that we've all suffered through. Um, and it was really a response to... Uh, as I say, the lack of um, any kind of way to network within the free media. So uh, what we I was seeing anyway was um, a lot of deplatforming, a lot of cancellations, a lot of demonetization. Um, and when it's happening to smaller media outfits who are new, who don't have the ability to fight back, it can be very, very damaging. And so then what we see is a you know degradation in the free media as well. We see that kind of cancellation, and then we suffer because we don't get that um, get that truth out there that we so badly need. And so um, what I thought would be one way forward for us is to have our own press association with the ability to come together and network, not only um, as journalists in the UK, but also internationally as well. And um, and I think, you know, um, part of the work that we've done in the lead up to this event is is uh, proof of the power of that. It's proof of the power of that network now that we have in place um, for the new media to, um, you know, to highlight stories like this and to hopefully bring them uh, to a new audience and to mobilise their existing audience as well.
Carrie, that's terrific. How many countries are you reaching into so far? Well, um, I'd like to think all, but um, we're talking about uh, the US, a few countries in Europe, Denmark, Holland, uh, Germany, the UK, of course, New Zealand, Australia. Um, I think I think that's that's pretty much it for now. You know, we're in Canada as well, um, and we're growing all the time. Uh, our affiliation network is is fairly broad, um, and we're looking to we're looking to affiliate with more and more like minded media networks, like minded um, journalistic outfits, and also like minded businesses as well. There was such a need for this as legacy media topples and falls over into the fetid pond of its own lives. It really uh, was resuscitated briefly by the government payouts for the COVID uh, propaganda. But mm. people, I think now, Sydney, New Zealand, are seeing the enormity of the lies being told, not just by the government, of course, but promulgated by, by media willingly now because they must know they are lying. Is Absolutely. the UK... Is the UK press as utterly without conscience as it looks to many of us yes. our new zealand mainstream media are also yeah i think i think this um this disease i want to call it this real disease of the legacy media isn't exclusive to any one country it's completely worldwide i think it's completely global and certainly here in the uk um it's as bad as it could be anywhere else and um, Kerry, I'll just jump in there because of course um many of the those watching will know that the global corporate media is run by about six corporations and, of course, they put out their talking points every day and that filters right down to uh, your local newspapers because they're all being bought out by these conglomerates. Now, um, what uh, what has your kind of perspective been on the talking points that they've been putting out, especially about Baby Will? Um, and then also uh, they never criticised Jacinda Ardern out here, but of course over and um, around the world, people have got a different view of Jacinda. Yep, they do. They do. Well, I think I think it's not it's not a view that will be different from yours, but um, it may be a view that's different from from others around the world uh, in in terms of Jacinda. Yeah, I mean she's certainly not not well liked here. I would say. Um, just to 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 kind of touch back on some of those points that you raised um, before before Jacinda. Um, if you if you want to just raise that again for me, please. Just uh, what what have you what what do you think? How just if you're going to break down the narrative of like exactly how sure. they frame things, sure. they're constantly trying to blame the parents as if they don't want the surgery yeah. to go ahead when that's in fact totally not the case. So, so this is all, and we've seen this all the way through the last few years. This kind of wordplay and this kind of um, demonization of anyone not going along with what they're being told to go along with. And we've seen that just now. We saw that in the clips that you uh, that you played earlier. Um, and it is those, you know, quotation mark conspiracy theorist or being sceptical or being unsure or, um, you know, being hesitant. And these are all um, they're kind of negative words. You know, they carry a negative connotation with them. And so they cast this whole story and the parents and the family in a negative light as though there's something wrong with requesting clean blood for your child it's absolutely crazy to me but what we've seen is this parroting you know it's just this parroting view that continues over and over and over despite mounting evidence against doing this in the first place of which there is none to do it at yeah. all there is no recommendation for these vaccines or these injections for children uh, such as will certainly not ones with heart conditions you know this is 
it, it's insanity to think that any of that makes any sense to anybody. When you break it down, there's no way you can come to any conclusion that what is happening is for Will's good. Now, over, over here, we have politicians who are as weak as piss, basically, to put it bluntly. In Australia, you've got parliamentarians ripping that place up and actually exposing everything that we've been saying from the start. In the UK, what do you have there? Do you have any politicians who are standing in those chambers and basically laying the smack down? Um, there are a couple that have a, have a pop every now and then. But I don't think there's anyone in the chamber that's really fighting, you know, that's that's really standing up and putting the head above the parapet and not being afraid to have it shot off. As a Kiwi overseas, when did you first realise the Prime Minister of New Zealand that we have at the moment uh, is as she is? When did it first, when did you awaken to that first? Um, a well, liar, I, I kind a liar. of watched the... I, I kind of watched the the love fest that surrounded Jacinda when she came into office. And I'd always wondered really, what was that all about? Because I'd, I'd had the sense in this kind of, I, I suppose my own perspective that she seemed quite disingenuous and not very sincere and lacked a bit of compassion and empathy and, you know, all of the kind of things that I look for in someone who's, who's leading. And, um, and so I kind of put that to the side because there really wasn't much to, to take any note of until uh, this pandemic started and the wheels were set in motion for things to take off. And of course, Jacinda uh, ha did and is playing her role um, as, as you know, she's instructed. But, um, you know, that was probably the turning point, I think, very early on in this piece um, when we had our first lockdown in the UK, I would say. I often ask people this in, in, in interviews here, but I'm going to ask you from the UK to speak mm. to the Prime Minister as an expat Kiwi, but also as the father of a child the same age as Will. I know what I want from today's programme, Kerry. What would you like her to listen to in your plea to her right now, if you could look down that camera and address her, Jacinda? What would you say if you met her? She walked right in right now. Well, Jacinda, I'd say you've got to step in right now and you've got to do something. You've got to listen to these parents and you've got to make this operation happen. You've got to you've got to listen to compassion and empathy and common sense and science. You can't you can't ignore that. Um, and, you know, besides all of those things, it's about love. And I think that's been completely absent from this debate. There should be no debate. There isn't one really to be had at all in most people's minds. There is no logic to this at all. Um, you know, we've 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 got to do what's right for Will, and what's right for Will is clear. He needs clean, untainted, unmessed with, you know, whatever you want to call it, blood, to go ahead with his operation that may well save his life. Brilliant awesome. reply. Yeah. And Kerry, I'd add one more thing, Jacinda. If this was your baby girl, which of the blood types would you like? Give give this baby the best, as I'm sure you would give Neve. Thank you, Kerry. Oh, just would you to like to say something? That, yeah. If I can just add to that, I would appeal to the medical community as well in New Zealand, the doctors who have been involved in this case, the doctors who are following this case, the doctors still in the system. Stand up and say something. Come out and do something. Make yes. this happen for this young boy. 
Absolutely. Yeah. We heard the other day, uh, I've heard, and also the baby's father, Cole, has heard there are grave divisions within the Starship Children's Hospital at the moment between a group of doctors growing every day, I think, feeling great guilt. Uh, their conscience is pricking for what they've covered up and not spoken out about. They dislike what's being done to these parents. They know it's a complete betrayal of their Hippocratic oath and of their whole profession. And they feel now tarred with the filth of, the, of what is going on. And then the others who are going, nothing to see here. Let's hope those ones who are wavering will now stand up and speak out for the right thing. At least they can then begin to hold their heads high, Kerry. Absolutely. Well, All right. Thanks so much for um, coming on, Kerry, from the United Free Press, a Kiwi over okay. in the UK um, fighting the good fight. Um, thank you so much. We are now going to actually have and Before a we go, we are proud, of course, to be part of the United Free Press here. Yes. Absolutely, and Free NZ uh, will hopefully be joining very, very shortly. Uh, very because nice. um, United, we are stronger, and uh, together we will win. So um, with that, we are going to take a short break, um, 30 minutes. Uh, we're going to play the, um, the interview that Liz did with Cornelia. Uh, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to play um, we're going to play a small video, sorry, because we are still needing to load that interview. Um, this this is the joys of um, live streaming. Um, and on short notice, uh, around Actually, the world. Let's be, let's be honest. This is the joys of a, a hundred of us grabbing a whole basket of um, things to do and dumping them on just one guy. <laughs> who has to control everything. That it's is where we are, if we are to be honest. Yes. And it's wonderful it's been done, and we have to do this under time pressure because baby will need that operation urgently. And also remember, everybody, we're going live for 12 hours. It is a sort of mini telethon. It's a truth-a-thon. We are hoping that there are doctors who are in the hospital whose minds are being changed by the evidence and by the pleas from people from around the world for Baby Will, who himself represents so much that is going on in this world around whether we as a human species honour our innate right to be sovereign beings and free beings, or whether we are going to secede our rights as sovereign beings to a very few, the 1% of the 1%. I think, Kelvin, you said once there are only, what, about 3,500 of these people? Who are really mm. trying to rule the world? Pretty much, and the rest are just underlings. I mean, the the problem is the problem. I think people have in this world is they actually believe they're dealing with other people. They're not. You're dealing with a parasitical entity in the shape of a human being. These people treat you like cattle. They see you as cattle. You are nothing more than stock to be uh, basically um, farmed to be and, leached and off. And for middle New Zealand, that's a really hard one to come to terms with. But for if you have any questions in your mind or are intrigued or curious or think that's far too far, but you want to investigate a bit more, just look up the World Economic Forum. Look at the fellow Klaus Schwab who runs that. Look at the vision for New Zealand that Jacinda Ardern signed New Zealand up to without any consultation with us. It's called Agenda 2030. Every single New Zealander yeah. owes it to your children and your grandchildren to know what they have planned for us, this dark future. And one of the things that made me stand up was my own father marrying late, but having gone to World War II, who said you must 
always stand for freedom because we fought for that. Don't ever let it be squandered. We who were young never wanted to fight, but we fought so you could be free and your generation and future generations, Liz. I've used that before because that matters. Don't go to the Anzac parades if you don't stand up now for baby Will's freedom and his parents' freedom to choose what is right for baby Will. Don't ever say you support democracy in this country if you don't stand up for democracy. And if you want to know what it looks like to lose democracy, you can simply go to the World Economic Forum, look at Agenda 2030, and study everything you can find from this Bond villain-esque, uh, that's the best thing I can think of him. He's like a classic Bond villain. And yet our prime minister, Jacinda Ardern at the G20 summit was smiling and walking into dinner with this man, Klaus Schwab, but a few small weeks ago. And, and many of us are saying, what is she doing, cozying up? And then from there, how many, kids questions, how many questions drop out of that? Is Jacinda Ardern answering to somebody beyond our shores? Because it seems she is not answering to the people. On the baby will case, she must now answer to the people because the people, all of us together, are standing up and saying, you will listen, you are our servant, as our Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. Hannah. Um, yeah, I'm going to actually um, put another idea forward. And in fact, I think uh, going on the fact that politicians, journalists, and uh, the legal fraternity, uh, the least trusted uh, occupations here in New Zealand, I think the majority of Kiwis are well aware that uh, the ruling elite are corrupt and don't have their best interests at heart. Um, and, you know, they just want to get on with their lives and they just want to have the freedom of choice. And I think the problem is that we are living in an information vacuum. Um, of course, as we already alluded to, the mainstream media has a hold on the airwaves. Um, and of course, they are influenced by big tech, um, you know, big corporations who have the money to pay for the ads um, that dictate at the end of the day what content goes out, <laughs> especially over in America. Um, obviously, Pfizer pays a lot of money to have their advertisements put on TV. Uh, so anybody who speaks out against these big corporations, of course, gets shut down. Um, cancel culture off um, big tech is very, very common these days. So um, I think that the, the majority of Kiwis are good people. They know the truth when they see it. They know a good person when they see it. They know that uh, many of the people in the political classes um, actually don't care for the interests. And all you need to do is go and look on their social media pages and you will see their interaction is very, very little. Um, you know, um, platforms like FreeNZ or Counterspin have much more interaction from the common people. Um, our events that we've been holding are just packed out. There is a hunger for the truth. Uh, there is a hunger for real connection. There is a hunger for authenticity. Um, people, it, it's all just a charade. And that's what people need to realize that um, we have the power and um, the people are waking up. And at the end of the day, um, they can only hold the truth back for so long. So that's really what's going on here. Um, Hannah, could when, I just briefly, um, from an article that went up by a man, Peter Halligan, entitled Fascist State, New Zealand Sex to Force to Inject Babies with Spike Protein-Infested Blood by Taking Baby from Parents Who Do Not Consent to mRNA Injections. And this is what, this is where the people are so smart. If you look in the thread comments, I often find the most 
inspired, well-researched answers. This is what somebody called Thomas says in that thread, national-induced child abuse, such a sorry example of a previous great nation, nothing to be gained and everything to be lost. The Russian roulette with a full chamber with one lacking bullet. And the worst, the baby had no choice, forever tainted with the forced injection of nanoparticles and other materials unknown to the public by Big Pharma. No doubt, New Zealand is now the epicenter for all the vaccine no one else wants. And no doubt, someone involved in this egregious decision is motivated by other than health benefit, since there is none. So, where is the money? That is from a member of the public posting on a thread. How smart are people? These politicians have for long underestimated Kiwis, our determination, and our smarts. We are way more awake and way more powerful than you think. We are not going to be the first country to collapse into Agenda 2030 and be herded like sheep. Because once you wake these sheep up, we become lions and lionesses. And that's what's happening with the case of Baby Will. Yep, Calvin, we're actually a, a country of only five million. What do you say to that? If, if we if we can't do it, what what is the, what? We're a country of about forty million sheep, and five million think they're human. But we have the chance of really changing something with this baby will story because there are only five million hearts and minds in this. That's country. exactly right, and we are the first country in the world to see the light of the new day. You raise the energy levels here, you push back, you take control of this country, and that energy will reverberate around the world with the sun. Tell okay. you, we can free humanity right here, right now. And of course, um, before baby will, there was baby Alex, who um, many of you will know already, um, was the baby in Montana who. Um, who needed blood transfusions and was given a blood transfusion, uh, unvaccinated blood, and then behind the parents' back was also given a um, vaccinated uh, blood transfusion, and it was just absolutely devastating. Liz, do you want to set up this interview before we go to it? I mentioned it before um, when I was talking to Steve Kirsch, but it was a challenge really to the parents. Can you imagine Sam and Cole who just want their baby operated on, who have twins, who have family at home, who have a small toddler Sam was missing because she couldn't get the babysitting help she needed. All of this going on, stressed about when little baby Will will get the operation, having been bullied really by a lot of the people that she was meeting. And then they meet this woman who, uh, this article in the in the press that I found was described this way. It's reassuring to see that Te Fatu Ora and New Zealand Blood Service carefully are carefully exploring how to diffuse tensions in this critical healthcare standoff. Well, the Sam and Cole version of it was they met the head of the New Zealand Blood Service who wouldn't listen to them, who looked at their watch, who looked at her watch, who rolled her eyes, who was impatient, who basically talked them down and would not listen. But the one thing that reverberated in Sam's head was she said to them, if you can find some evidence of jabbed blood causing harm in an infant, and I doubt you will, we may look at it. So Sam came to me and said, I've heard about a mother in America, but I don't know where. And the baby died from a transfusion. Can you find the story? And I reached out and a woman called Claire, who's who's an extraordinary researcher, citizen journalist, she found this mother in Montana. And this was the, the result of that the day after. Let me put the addendum. 
When we posted it, it was taken down by the government and big tech collusion in New Zealand within five hours, and we've had a Facebook ban for posting the truth. But here is the interview that should convince the New Zealand Blood Service that Will simply cannot, on any level, have jabbed blood in his little body while his heart is operated on. Thanks, Hannah. Cornelia, I'm talking to you from Montana, is that right? Yes. And you had a baby who was four weeks old, who had a blood transfusion, and who died two weeks later, is that correct? Yes. Your story, Cornelia, has gone around, certainly New Zealand, I'm sure it's gone around the world, but in New Zealand we have a situation where we have a four-month-old beautiful little baby boy also, and this government and the New Zealand Blood Service will not release the unjabbed blood or will not release permission for the unjabbed blood that the parents of Little Will have found the donors for. They will not release the permission for that to be used. So little baby Will is still waiting for an operation for open heart surgery. And the mother yesterday, Sam, said to me, please, please, can we find the mother of Alexander Elliot Bly? And we found you and you were willing to help and talk to me. Thank you so much, Cornelia. Could you take us to your story? How long ago did this happen? So this happened in um, February. He was born in January, early January. Um, he died February 17. Um, they gave him the blood, I believe, around the 1st february um what happened was he had an operation he needed to work on his throat and they told us that it was very rare that babies would need blood so we had been trying to get directed donor blood for a while um but they kind of uh basically told us it was impossible because of how expensive it was which turned out to not be true we were able to then get directed donor blood but um, he went through the operation, did not need a blood transfusion. And we had signed um, saying that basically we only granted the use of blood in the emergency that they nicked an artery. Um, so the doctor then gave him the blood later after the fact, just after the operation without our knowledge. Without your knowledge, was he in the ward at that stage? He was not in the operation room. He was back in the NICU. Okay. Um, yeah. When did you find out they had given this blood, this vaccinated blood to your baby? So I walked in probably 20 minutes after they had started giving him the blood. And it was kind of a shock because, you know, we had clearly stated we didn't trust their blood. And um, the doctor, you know, of course, oh, everything's going to be fine. Nothing to worry about with this blood. And, um, yeah, I felt <laughs> very violated because, you know, we hadn't agreed to that use of blood. Um, she just did it anyway. Um, she said his hemoglobin levels were low. Um, so she was just going to give him the blood. And... Um, yeah, the next day they discovered a, it might have been like in place, and 
My husband had told them the reason we didn't want a blood transfusion from the blood bank was because of blood clots. We were afraid that that would happen. And it did like instantly. And um, then they told us that blood clots in babies are very rare and um, blood thinners will just fix it. But that did not happen. So you're, you are then in this horrendous situation where you're seeing evidence. What was the evidence of the blood clot? How did you know it started almost immediately? So they found it by ultrasound. They said, we have a blood clot, so we're going to have to move this pick line. So they moved it to a different part of his body. Then they kept um, by ultrasound um, periodically. They checked it every few days and it just continued to grow. Um, blood thinners, they had him on the highest amount of blood thinners they could legally give him. And yeah, it seemingly did nothing. And it started in his knee and went all the way up to his heart. So when it started inching closer to his heart, they basically told us that um, we had to look, you know, preparing him for to, for death. So we, um, but it was also visible on the outside because his veins turned black and his belly swelled up. So as you can see in the photos, um, it doesn't look normal. Um, and so you could see over time, over the two week period, his belly slowly started to get bigger and bigger. He turned yellow as his liver shut down. What was the what was the reaction of the doctors and the nurses? Were they as horrified as you must have been? Were they were they visibly shaken? Have if, advice? If they were, they didn't show it at first. Um, I, they just followed protocol. You know, oh, a blood clot will cure it up. Um, but I think as time went on, they started to realize that he wasn't going to make it. Um, at least they waited until they knew a 99% sure. Like they waited till they knew 100% that he was going to die before they told us that he was going to die. Um, however, we were very suspicious, you know, all along, obviously. I mean, it's hard to give up hope. You know, you want to trust them. You think, you know, they'll figure this out. But, um, you know, we got him the safe blood for the rest of the rest of the time he was in there. He got directed donor blood. Um, but that first initial time, that was all it took. One one amount. And I, and I asked that about the doctor's attitudes because what the parents of little baby Will are dealing with is incredibly arrogant doctors dismissing their concerns out of hand. Something Sam said to me in the second interview is, I know as a mother in my gut that something is wrong with this baby. I knew right from the beginning. She said, I also know in my gut that this blood is not for my baby. The moment when you walked in and you saw that blood being put in, there was a pause in your voice, Cornelia. What was that pause? When you saw that, take me back to that moment, you saw that blood, that vaccinated blood going in your baby. What was your mother's gut instinct saying? I I, I honestly thought, oh, he's going to die. Like that was my first thought. Um, and it was just, I think he would, I mean, he ha he clearly had a chance to survive. He was, he was had a very strong immune system. He was fighting off like, you know, all the drugs they were giving him, he was still able to push through it. He hadn't gotten sick. Um, but yeah, the minute I seen that blood going into his veins, I, it just stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, oh no, something's wrong. And so then over the next two weeks, even though it was horrifying, it was like not quite a surprise somehow. Um, yeah. 
I asked that because in the meeting where I was an advocate with the parents, I was we were all begging the doctors to listen to the parents. But I said, we used to listen to the mothers and the fathers. We used to listen particularly to the mothers. Mothers have an instinct when it comes to their own babies. What was, this could be a little unbearable and you have every right to say, look, it's too much. I can't answer that question. But if you can, could you describe what it was like watching your baby? What were his levels of pain? And discomfort. And um, was it was through? he. He was pretty strong. Um, even even his body continued to swell up. You know, he could he could fight back. So not even approved for infants. I, apparently, they do that a lot. We looked it up. Um, Drugs such as what? But, such um, as what? I can't remember the the no. the term. Um. I should have that information shortly. Um, but heavy sedation, heavy pain. Heavy sedation. So he was out of it most of the time, but when he would come to, he was in he was in severe pain. Yeah. Then also, um, they kept a tube down his throat the whole time. So even though they had um, done the throat operation, which was successful, um, they still kept that tube, and he hated it because it would it would you know it's not comfortable having a tube down your throat. So he moved so much that eventually the tube irritated the surgery they had done. And um, they said that they would probably have to do another operation. So, and they, they said he would, you know, die instantly after we removed the tube because he couldn't breathe on his own. And he breathed for four hours, just struggled for every breath. So I, we had known he could, he was gonna, he could have survived without the tube, um, you know, before his body went downhill. So Cornelia, you weren't able to breastfeed. He was being fed intravenously, was he? Yes, they gave him my milk through a tube, I think on about three or four different occasions. Hmm. But um, whatever other mixture they, they give, um, that's what they, he was get, getting most of the time. Sam, the mother of Will, is quite extraordinary. Your, your strength is equally extraordinary. How, do you mind my asking how old you are? I'm 24. At 24 years old, Cornelia, how, how are you coping with this? How did you cope at the time and how are you coping now? Um, I have a very strong faith. So, um, and you know, the world is uh, getting increasingly more um, devastating. So, so I, I take comfort in the fact that he's not here to deal with that. Um, I think that was a lot of what carried me through. And try not to just completely dwell on the past and what could have been and moving forward, I think is very important. Um, I didn't share his story initially. Um, I did more recently, a few months ago. And it was mostly because I started seeing over the internet, you know, is the blood safe? And there didn't seem to be much, much information about that. But, you know, my personal experience, we knew that the blood wasn't safe. So I knew that I had to I had to put his story out there so people could find out that at least be warned, you know. So what has the reaction been across America to that? Because I had not seen your story in mainstream news in America, but certainly it's been going all around our internet here since Baby Will's story came up. What's been the so, reaction in America? Yeah, I had shared it in a Facebook group, which I won't mention for their privacy reasons. Um, they keep getting shut down. But um, it was a lot of uh, an overwhelming response of, uh, you know, 
of horror. And um, there was some doubters. Um, a few people thought that, you know, that the pictures of my baby weren't the same baby or that, you know, I was lying about the story. So I did get a sum of that. But, you know, the majority were pretty shocked. There's a few other people who commented and said that, you know, uh, their loved one had been in the hospital and been, had been fine until they got a blood transfusion and then they went downhill and got blood clots. So, you know, a few more stories like that did come up. Um, I don't think I've seen all the responses to my story since I, I don't really go follow it, like, you know, see where it's been in every corner. So, Little Alexander Elliot Bly, his life will really stand for for something, even without what you're doing today. But what you're doing today is so crucial because the New Zealand Blood Service uh, had a very brutal meeting with the parents late the other night. The mother had been in court in the morning. She was exhausted. They called her in at five o'clock when she was meant to be breastfeeding. A very cold woman from the blood service was there saying, oh, I haven't got time for this. Look, this is ridiculous. You know, we're not going to do this unless you can give me absolute proof that there really is some problem with vaccinated blood. We are going to go ahead and put vaccinated blood in your baby's body if, if you want this heart operation. Cornelia, having gone through what you've gone through, what would you say to that woman who the mother described me and, and the father described to me as having absolutely no empathy for them or their position or the fact that they even have collected unjabbed blood? What would you say to that woman, Cornelia? Well, first of all, the logic is just completely flawed because I've been hearing that there's a blood shortage. So, you know, if someone needs blood and supposedly vaccinated blood is perfectly safe, just like unvaccinated blood. And they were able to find unvaccinated blood. Why do they not just let them use it? I mean, the very, it's just highly suspicious that she, that, you know, the government is pushing for the use of this blood when in their minds, if it's identical, um, it doesn't make sense. It's a very good point. In fact, what the lawyer for the for the parents said in the court was that the parents are not only being so responsible that they're looking after their baby beautifully, but they want an even higher standard of blood. There is an argument to say that too. So here they are going to take them to court again next Tuesday, supposedly to take this baby from them, make it a ward of the state so they can force something that the parents do not want into their baby. It is a case for the world, this case. Mm -hmm. What 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 other experiences would you say to New Zealand you have gone through because of this, I can describe it as cavalier, utterly irresponsible, absolutely uneducated attitude that many doctors seem to have because they have fallen for government narratives about this vaccine around the world? What other experiences have you gone through? What was that like when you realised your baby was going to die? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's impossible to take the blood out. And I mean, the, the, the doctor agreed, you know, MRNA blood, you know, hasn't been long-term tested. And that's the thing. It doesn't matter that it hasn't been long-term tested and that I might be skeptical of what is in that blood. They're just going to use it anyway. And that's what's, yeah. I mean, it ended in the death of our baby. So if it, you know, they they also threatened to, you know, if we didn't agree to the use of blood, they would call CPS. But um, that's child I, I protection think America, services, child mm -hmm, protection services. Yes. 
um, and, and, and mention court too. Although I think these are more scare tactics because once we actually went to the blood bank and talked to the right people, we were able to get permission. So I think that there's a little bit more freedom here in regards to personal rights uh, uh, for directed donor use. Um, my my uncle in the 90s, before I was born, he died from a blood transfusion of HIV. Um, HIV was in the blood transfusion, and so and that's what um, eventually took his life. He died of AIDS. Um, so, you know, having that history, I told the blood bank, I said, um, you know, my family member died of this. If I don't trust the blood now and I want to get my own directed donor blood, it should make sense. And she just, she was trying to, you know, bring it back around to the whole, um, the question of vaccinated blood and how silly it was that I'd even bring that up. Um, but that did make her pause for a second because, you know, the blood bank doesn't have the best history here. You speak extraordinarily articulately. Could you send a message? You're right, you may have more freedoms there and they're not vast, the freedoms you already have. Could you speak to New Zealand's Prime Minister who is uh, running an absolutely tyrannical regime? That's what I would call it, a fascist regime in New Zealand. I believe they are very scared, this government, that if this blood is given to will, it will open up the floodgates. People will demand far more rights they have suppressed us as much as they can, but Kiwis are rising up. What would you say to this Prime Minister who herself has a young baby and who is in this week's women's magazine across New Zealand crying about her father having cancer when we know that many, many cancers have sprung up since her rollout of these jabs. We know that many, nearly 70,000 officially registered jab-injured Kiwis on the government website that she never talks about. But she's really sad about her own father's illness, which is sad, but she's not sad about all these other Kiwis, including Baby Will, who are suffering horrendously. What would you say to Jacinda Ardern? Um, I, would, I would ask her, I mean, honestly, if they go ahead and do what they want to do and give him this blood and he dies, what do you think the result in the country is going to be? Um, yeah, I think that um, obviously they're very good at covering things up. We know this, <laughs> but uh, the alternative is not good for them if they, you know, if they follow through. Um, and if, uh, you know, if the parents are allowed to give the baby safe blood, then, you know, the, I just don't understand why any leader would be afraid to give freedom to people. It's a... A very uh, communist, socialist, uh, all sorts of names of different countries who have followed that path. And uh, it, it, yeah. Many Kiwis are waking up to that as well. We never yes. agreed to a communist country. We are born free and it's a mm -hmm. freedom from a much higher power. I had a very concerning call yesterday from someone who said that uh, there could be an even more cruel game afoot from this government whose hubris means, whose, whose ego means they want to win at all costs against the people. They may want the baby to die here, baby will, so that they can then whip up a media storm against the parents, against the courage of the parents. I am going to call that out today. I'm going to interview that person who rang me as well and put that out. The, the darkness 
it, it almost feels to me, and you say you are someone of great faith, it feels like a, a battle now across the world of, of good mm -hmm. versus great evil. Mm -hmm. how, how have you come to terms with that part of it, given that this evil took your baby? How have you found this peace? Could you offer that to Kiwis? There are many who are, who are needing more nourishment than is on offer from our cravenly fallen media or our corrupted government. Where do you where well, do you draw that from your strengths? Well, I mean, if there's great evil, you know, there there's obviously great good, and I think part of the, the attack on the babies is they are the most innocent, most pure of us. So when you hurt a baby, it's like the most, it's the greatest evil, and that's what the evil feeds off of. It you know has many babies and young people that can be hurt, children. That that's where you know the evil gets its power. Um, and in protecting the babies, that's where, you know, that's where good flourishes. Um, as far as my own journey, yeah, it's, uh, it's not been easy, but I, uh, I just remind myself everything is temporary, including our lives here. So, um, Alex's life was temporary. It, it didn't last very long, but you know, the impact continues. And um, yeah, I guess it's, it's it's a little bit difficult for me to, to um, put into words where I, I get my strength. Could you tell us about Alex? Because I can tell you I'm completely in love with baby Will. He's <laughs> this old, old yeah. soul, and it's as if he's come here to wake up our country so our country can be a leading light once more instead of this horrifically fallen country to cowardice, fall into cowardice and following an evil leader, that we can once again be the brave little New Zealand David to the Goliath of, of, of what's going on out there. I believe New Zealanders are waking up in vast numbers to their own courage again. But mm -hmm. what was, so that's baby Will's mission, I have a sense. What do you think, Alex? Well, first of all, describe him and then perhaps why he may have come here in your view. He was, uh, yeah, he was, he was extraordinary. He was, when he was born, he didn't, he didn't cry. Just, you know, he seemed super aware, very intelligent. Um, when my husband was holding him, he, uh, you know, looked like he was asleep on his chest and my husband reached up to take a selfie and he peeked open his eyes and just looked at the camera. So you get this selfie of him <laughs> <laughs> opening his eyes to see what, you know, what was dad doing? Um, he, was very strong. Um, it would take a couple nurses to hold him down when he started kicking. Um, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't weak by any stretch and, uh, yeah, he, uh, very beautiful smile and very beautiful eyes. I think we were a little bit amazed that we had such a, such an adorable, cute baby. You know, we didn't really, <laughs> a lot of babies are born and, you know, but uh, he, he was extraordinary. Yes. How is your husband coping with all of this, Cornelia? Um, I think he handles grief, uh, different. Well, everyone handles grief differently. Um, but, uh, he doesn't talk about as much as I do, but, um, I think moving forward and just, uh, you know, doing what we can to get, you know, get the word out there about the blood. It's about, you know, the best thing we can do. So. Can you accept that Alex may have come here for, for a similar reason to Will? That me, he may have had that sole purpose. I've already had that thought, yes. Yeah. Mm. 
do you think a lot of people in America have woken up because of your story that you've put out there? Um, I think they have woken up to um, the blood issue, yes. and But I think they were probably already previously awake to everything else going on. Um, that there's still a lot of friends of mine who, you know, they would have utter faith in the hospital system and, you know, say that, you know, what we experienced was tragic but had nothing to do with the blood. So, in you know, in some cases, some people are... I don't know if much can be done at this point to wake them up. It's just, it, you know, it is what it is. We have some particularly brutish quarters in our mainstream media uh, who, who, who will use lines like, well, you know, there are always some people who died with these roll-ups with these jabs, you know, a bit of, a bit of that. Oh, you got to take one for the team. You know, some people get injured, some people will die. This cavalier, uh, mm -hmm. attitude because of course our mainstream media are now realizing the house of cards is looking really wobbly and that will's case could be the card that pulls pulls out falls to the ground and the whole thing comes comes down and mm -hmm. so they are being also our, our media very brutal um what would you say to that somebody who says oh you know alex took one for the team baby has to die so that all the rest can be saved it's it's an unbearably inhumane thing to even say to you and put to a mother who's gone through it, but I want to see what your reaction is. Well, I would say, you know, when you told us we need to wear the mask so that just one person would be safer, and then somehow that logic doesn't carry across to, oh, you know, um, a few people died of the vaccine, big deal. It, it definitely seems to be the attitude, you know. If you didn't wear a mask during the pandemic, you were heartless, you were killing your neighbors, but if you die from the vaccine, you know, that that's just part of the, that's just part of it, you know, um, something to accept and, and pretty much ignore for the most part is what I found. But um, yeah, so I think that their logic is uh, two-sided. Did any mainstream media honor you with an honoring interview over in America? No, I just, I, uh, there was two articles that I uh, was interviewed for, um, but they were probably shadow banned sites <laughs> mm. um you know you can you can go read it but it's it's i mean they have a very specific following not 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 uh, a big news at all i referred before cornelia to the shock of being an advocate in that meeting with the doctors one of them the surgeon just kept saying well i won't i won't put pressure on the blood bank for them to clear this unjab blood because, and I would say why, and he'd go, because I don't believe, I don't believe there's any problem. To which I said over and over, it doesn't matter what your personal beliefs are as a human being, and I will, I will uphold your belief, whatever, that's mm -hmm. a democracy. But what truly matters is you are refusing to listen to the parents who are the guardians and the responsible guardians and the well-researched guardians of this baby. The arrogance of that meeting still haunts me to this day, and that was a week ago today. They've done nothing. They have not moved heaven and earth to get this baby help. The lack of humanity from the doctors alone. We have heard there's a rebellion within the children's hospital that there are doctors whose consciences are really being pricked. I need you to send a message to those doctors who want to speak out but are still too cowardly. We need their courage now to say it's not right what's going on to baby Will. Could you give them a message, Cornelia? Could you say something to our New Zealand doctors who want to speak out, who know what's going on is wrong? Well, um, it's kind of like a Nazi Germany, you know, um, the people who are too afraid to speak out, 
um, eventually, you know, there was no one left to speak for them once everyone else had been taken, you know, and was gone. Um, so if it gets to that point, you're better off speaking now and risking um, all of the hardship that might follow because at least you're, you're, you're doing what you can to stop the tidal wave. Because if we don't all speak out now, um, it might be too late and then there'll be no one to speak. So even though the doctors now don't have like a instant um, problem, you know, that, you know, they don't have a freedom that's getting yanked from them right now, but it might change, you know, at any point as this, you know, the cycle continues to get worse and worse. Did you speak to the doctors of baby Alex afterwards? Did you look them in the eye and say, you knew what I wanted and you betrayed my wishes, my wishes as his mother. Did you ever get that chance? I would have probably, but uh, they switched doctors. So we got a whole different team in a different section by the time he was dying. So um, the original doctors who had given him the blood were not, were not there. This is your chance, Cornelia. This may well be picked up and go overseas anyway because the baby Will story is going around the world. This is your chance to say to baby Alex's doctors who wouldn't listen to you about the blood transfusion, this is your message. Can you say that? Yes. Um, I would just like to tell them that uh, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. They probably truly believed, you know, that this blood was fine. But if it was their child, I think they'd want to do everything they could. And they'd want to trust their own instinct. And so they need to need to give that freedom to parents. Because if they don't, you know, the karma isn't good in the end. So for their own child, for their own child's sake, they need to. <sighs> yeah. Do you, do you feel your baby Alex around you? Yeah, um, I talk to him occasionally. <laughs> I think I think he's aware of everything going on, and I know he's safe and he's happy. So that um, that makes me feel happy because you know the the greatest thing a mother wants is her child to be safe. It's been an extraordinary privilege to talk to you, Cornelia. An extraordinary privilege, and you're doing a service to New Zealand. I would say to the Prime Minister, to the head of our New Zealand Blood Service, to the doctors in Starship Hospital who are charged with looking after baby Will and remember the Hippocratic Oath, first do no harm. And the precautionary principle needs to be operating here. We do not know what is in the vaccinated blood, but we know the unvaccinated blood will be clean for Will. Please listen to this mother from Montana in America. I wanted to finish, Cornelia, I've asked you to to speak out to a number of people today, but to, to baby Will's mum, Sam, who is just as gorgeous and intelligent and loving and attuned and well-researched as you are, and to his wonderful father, Cole, could you say something from, from your heart to them to help them keep going in this draining, draining journey? Yeah, I, well, I want to say that I'm very proud of the fight that they've been putting up. Um, it's exactly the kind of fight that, you know, I wish I would have had the chance to to do. Um, 
so I just want to um I just want to tell them that um I'm very I'm very proud of them and uh they just need to keep fighting because they're not fighting for just their baby they're fighting for they're fighting for many babies at this point um yeah and that that's that can be overwhelming to think about but it's sadly the reality we have now Cornelia thank you so much can we keep in touch with you yes yeah I hope that we will be bringing you good news very shortly that baby Willis had the unjab blood and the operation's been successful and maybe one day you and Sam and, and Cole and baby Will can meet. That would be amazing, yeah. Thank you. From all of New Zealand, thank you. And there it was. There's the there's the research the New Zealand Blood Service asked us to do: find evidence of a baby that has been injured to the point of death in this case by a transfusion with jabbed blood in it. And what did the government do? They took down that post on NZ Free Media page on Facebook because we believe it's collusion with big tech that's going on between our government and big tech. That post was taken down within five hours of us putting it up and we've been banned from that page for a number of days. So, you know, you can't on the one hand ask for evidence and maintain you stand for free speech when there's that level of censorship of a mother telling the truthful story of her own experience of her baby injured by jab blood. So or killed by jabbed blood in that case. We have our mother of our baby, Will, back on to give us an update. Sam, welcome back. There has been something happening at the hospital. It's nice to see you, but my first concern is what's been going on this morning there in the hospital with you and the babies? Um, well, um, the doctors just did their normal rounds, as they do. And, um, yeah, I mean... It wasn't that wasn't a nice conversation um in what uh, way in what way can you tell us what well it's just you know them saying coming in asking how is everything going and and it's quite it's, it's stating the obvious it's like how, how do you think everything's going you know we're waiting for this life-saving operation and you guys are just walking around doing your rounds just just dotting your eyes crossing your t's or whatever you know it's just and you expect me to give you an answer that oh things are great you know things are great in here yeah it's so, facile it's insulting yeah. but absolutely yeah, on edge waiting for this operation mm. and they act as if everything's sweet when they know mm. it's not what yeah. else happened in the conversation sam um, oh, well, I just, you know, I just told them that I was upset and that I'm, I'm upset that you'd, you'd ask me that because you know what's happening. And then I, yeah. And then they were like, well, what's, how's Will, how's Will going? And I said, well, I, I feel he's still the same, but we're, we're waiting for something that we shouldn't have to be waiting for. Mm. So, you know, you tell me your clinical assessment of how he is, because you're in here to do that, aren't you? Um, yeah, I, I would make an appeal to the hospital. No more of these empty words, empty conversations, yeah. empty gestures. This woman mm. has been exemplary. She's really polite, warm, caring, but enough already. That's what this mm. member is saying. Not just Sam, but 
honestly, Sam, the whole nation now is saying enough. All of those of yes. us who are humane, who are caring, and who are saying this makes no scientific or medical sense to withhold yes. the permission for you to use the donors yes. you've rounded up to use their blood. We could have this operation tomorrow, could we not, Sam? Yeah, that's right. And then the doctor said, look, I don't want to get involved. You have to just wait until the court case. And I said, but you are involved. <laughs> You're completely involved. And um, and what else did she say? She said, look, you know, we, we would do the um, surgery straight away, but we just have to do it in the nor normal way, she said, normal way. That is incredible. There mm. is nothing normal about the state mm. threatening to take a child from parents who are being so thorough and so fastidiously careful that you mm. want the best blood for your child. And these doctors, yeah. where has their critical thinking gone, their character, their moral mm. their moral spine to stand up to the hospital and say, yeah. this must stop? It is, what is it feeling like? There's, I can't, I'm, it's, it's a, it's, I said to my partner the other night, it's like watching Sam in slow torture. Mm. That's what I feel. What do you well, feel? I just had to get out. So I went for a walk. I went down to the Ronald McDonald house. That's as far as I, you know, I'm not silly. I'm not going to take that, my babies all over the place. I just had to get out and I had to go and heat my breastfeeding special elixir up that amazing woman made for me. And I get harassed by phone calls by the hospital. I didn't answer them because I thought I just need to be left alone. Um, they've just told me their assessment is that baby will is stable. So leave me alone. And I'll be yes. back, you know, when it's time to do his next feed. And I have been. And then I, they ring my husband and they said, my husband rang me and they said, um, can you tell her to return Will back to the ward? My goodness. The other day when we were preparing for the court, a nurse came in and said something along similar lines, didn't she, mm. Sam? What did she say then? Oh, she said something like, um, you know, after tomorrow, you're not going to be able to go out with Will. Or it was something like that. Something um, like that. And your reply yeah. has stayed in my head. And what was that reply? Because it's the reply of every mother, mm. every parent over their own child. What was the reply? I think I said something like, um, I'm not a prisoner. And if I choose to take my baby out, then that's what I'll be doing. I won't be asking permission. And that was the same response that I said to the nurse just before I said, please remind the um, the doctors that we're not asking for permission and I will not be harassed by constant phone calls when I'm trying to get a breather. Brilliant reply. Mm. And I think we need to remind the hospital, I, I certainly um, – I certainly have much more to say about what I heard in that meeting, but I've been very withheld and very uh, moderate about what I heard in the meeting when I was there as an advocate for the parents. Any any remaining skerricks of arrogance towards this family have no place in that hospital and towards any family. Yeah, that's right. Doreen, who I think is your friend, and she is is Doreen your your the woman in the in the room next door with her baby. <laughs> She's very much wanting to wait, isn't she, to, for Tuesday to see yes. if it's a good outcome. But I gather she could have the operation now for her baby, but she's wanting to wait to see if the baby also can have unjabbed blood. Is, is yes. that true? Yeah. There have been some uh, horrible rumours circulating that have had no place in this whole thing. The story is about Will, but certainly we're looking, you've said to me many times, you're looking at a decision for Will that will benefit all the babies in that mm -hmm. hospital. That's why you've done it, is it not, Sam? Yes, that's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. And so, Sam, just before we finish, 
they're trying in many different ways, I feel, to put psychological pressure on you. Mm. Are you able to withstand this? Oh. I will be in later today. Are you Absolutely. able to withstand it? Absolutely, of course. Mm. Um, you know, I just keep the, the, the thing that keeps me going is that it's just all about well, you know, it's all about and all about the rest of humanity now. But it's, you know, as a mother, I think you just dig deep and you just do what you have to do for your child. That's, mm. that's you know, what we do. And if anybody wants to, to call up Starship and say you must look after that mother, stop harassing her, that's a good reminder from the public. Not, mm. not cruel, not, not attacking on the doctors, we don't want that, but just a very firm reminder that the eyes of New Zealand and now the world are on the Starship Hospital in Auckland and they must not put more pressure, psychological pressure on you trying to wear you down. You will not be worn down. And we, Sam, are right behind you, this country, mm. the people watching this program. Thanks for calling in. Is is there is there anything else you'd like to say in this little update today? No, I think that's covered it. Yeah, I would give okay. give baby Will the yeah. operation on Monday. We will yeah. then gather on Tuesday and celebrate all the people who are yes. going to be in front of the High Court. It will be a party of celebration. We'll still come, but yes. give the operation tomorrow. Starship, yeah. NZ Blood, and just right. government. Sam, yeah. Yeah, stop holding back, which um, which is rightfully his. He he deserves to have the operation, just like every other child deserves to be operated on, deserves to be respected, deserves to have their rights upheld. Um, he deserves that. We need this for him. And their parents deserve that as well. Thank you, mm -hmm. Sam. Call us again if you'd like to do an update. Wonderful okay. woman. Thank you. Okay. Kelvin and Hannah. Kelvin, over to you. And um, joining us next, that was, see, that's, those updates are good. We get those through the day. That way people can, main, uh, people can maintain um, remaining up to speed on what's going on. So um, next up, taking his um, day out from an otherwise hectic schedule and, and the little free time he does get. Um, to join us is uh, Matthew Haig. He is, of course, from Frontline Law. Him and his team were successful in the challenge against the government mandates uh, for the police and military. And um, to be honest, he's become a friend and an all-round good guy. Welcome uh, welcome to this hectic live stream, Matthew. Hi, Kelvin. Hi, Hannah. Okay. Um, now, what are the wider implications for, say, a ruling either way um, on this particular case that we've been following? I'm very much coming at it from the legal principles. And before I do that, I just want to acknowledge the parents and baby Will. Um, I think although I'm focusing on those legal points, it's really important to keep the family centre of, of our minds and, and how we're approaching this, so I acknowledge them. Uh, look, I think when has a parent making an informed choice about the care of their child become controversial? Um, the wider implications I see is the unwillingness recently of government and others to respect the decisions of individuals who are making informed decisions about their own health care. And that's what we've seen with the vaccine mandates, where the government has intruded into that sphere and, co and effectively coerced people to make a choice between being vaccinated or losing their job. And when I say coerced, that's not my opinion. That was the decision on repeated high court decisions in regards to vaccine mandate. 
it is a level of coercion. We're seeing that at an even higher level in this case, where the Health New Zealand, which is part of the government, has said to the parents, you are not able to make the decision about the healthcare of your own child. And in fact, if you do not consent to what we want you to do, we're going to go to the High Court, apply for guardianship of your child, and take away your parental rights as it relates to your child. And that's an incredible degree of coercion. That's much higher than, I think, losing your job. Yeah. See, in this country, we're supposed to have a Bill of Rights. Can you explain to people who, like me, are a bit lost on the subject, how the government can seemingly override at will those Bill of Rights that are supposedly there to protect us from government overreach? Mm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We've got the New Zealand Bill of Rights Act and Section 11 of that Act says that everyone has the right to refuse medical treatment. In this case, parents have a right to refuse medical treatment on behalf of their child. Now, all rights are subject to justified limitations, justified limitations, and that's the key here. In this case, Blood New Zealand, through their own documentation, which they took down from the internet earlier this week, um, confirmed that direct transfusions are something that they do do. Yes, it's not the norm, but they do on, I, I would say, quite regular occasions. If we think about Jehovah's Witnesses, um, if we think about perhaps Muslims who don't want medical products that contain pork or that have been in contact with, with pork products, these are accommodations that our health system makes for people who want healthcare provided to them in a way that aligns with their personal beliefs and values. Why is the same not happening for the parents here? It's... Yeah. It's not a safety issue. This is a legal issue. It's not a safety issue because Health New Zealand and blood and uh, New Zealand Blood Services are absolutely able to provide treatment to baby Will in a way that is safe and consistent with accepted medical practice. They are choosing not to because they disagree ideologically with the decision of the parents, and that is not a that is not a justifiable reason to disagree with them. We also have the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights uh, ratified, I think, here in 1976. Uh, Article 7 and 18 basically do exactly what you said. It's meant to protect those particular uh, points you just raised. How does that play into it? And does that trump domestic law or does the Bill of Rights trump that? Because I yeah. notice they always have an out in any legal uh, framework. They always have an out in the Bill of Rights. I think it's Section 5 or something where it says, if we deem something to be an emergency, for your own safety, we can basically tell you what the hell to do. Mm. So instrument, and you're quite right, that inter international instrument exists and it's been ratified by the New Zealand government. International law is um, less binding than domestic law. Domestic law will take precedence over international law. And so in this case, that's why I put the New Zealand Bill of Rights Act front and centre of my position as, as a lawyer. Um, Section 11 the right to refuse medical treatment is is a right that everyone has. It is in law and it cannot be undermined except where that's demonstrably justified. And in this case, that is not the case. Yeah, and I believe in this particular case, we're not talking full-on uh, refusal to have a the heart surgery. Well, all they're saying is, hey, we agree with you. The baby needs heart surgery. We want to have it done, but we just don't want to have something that you cannot verify safe and effective for this mm. transplant, correct? Absolutely. And, and back to the, applying the legal principles involved, if, if there is a reasonable alternative to limiting people's rights, then that limitation would be demonstrably unjustified. 
here there is an absolutely reasonable alternative it's a direct transfusion again it's a practice that blood new zealand has done and can do and will do in the future but they've just declined quite arbitrarily um, not to do it on this occasion it is unjustified exactly so really it all just come i mean the family's done all the all the hard work they've got qualified blood donors ready to go they just have to take their blood use yeah. it in that operation and the baby has a better chance going forward. I do not see the logic of delaying it or even why a case had to be delayed so long in order to be able to just say, yes, let's save your child. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm at a loss. The question I get asked the most is why does the government do these things? And I don't have an answer because I don't know. And I think to an extent, I'm not sure if they entirely know either. I know perhaps people have their theories, But I I think my my belief is that it's an ideological commitment to something that they believe is right, but it comes at the cost of individuals making their own decisions. It doesn't actually matter who's right and who's wrong. It's beyond doubt that legally you have the right to refuse medical treatment. We get to choose what we do with our own bodies and with the healthcare of our children. That's the legal principle involved. That's established. It's beyond doubt. And that's what Health New Zealand should look to when they're making these decisions. So what do you think the government's, why do you think the government's position is that they have the right to override parental um, decisions for a child that isn't theirs? I mean, no parent in their right mind is going to have, is going to want to harm their baby in any way. They always want the best for it. And you've got parents here who have, like you said, made an informed choice. They've decided to err on the side of caution, which is what we all should do and um, delivering this baby uncontaminated blood. Mm. Um, I, Yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I just failed to see the logic. That's why I'm glad uh, Sue Gray, yourself, and the other team are together uh, making sure that this thing um, is argued in the best way possible uh, and for the outcome of the parents. And thank you very much for taking the time out to join us to, to give that opinion. Uh, a lot of people who are watching this agreeing with you 100% and if, with everything that's said so far, and this is why we're doing this today, so we can take facts straight to the um, um, people themselves. If you can um, tell everyone where they can find you and uh, if there's any parting words you have on this matter, it'll be great. Well, sure. I mean, as you say, Sue Gray has taken the lead on this matter. We're just doing everything we can to support Sue and the family in the background and indirectly. Um, look, if there is anything that Frontline Law can do, we're always happy to have a chat. Um, you can find us online, Frontline Law. Thanks, Kelvin. Thanks, Hannah. Thank you very much. He is one amazing guy, I can tell you now. Um, he's also, just for uh, transparency's sake, he's uh, fighting my case in the High Court as well against being illegally arrested and uh, detained where they had to release me without charge because they suspected that I'd breached some COVID act and uh, we'll win that too. Yes, we certainly will. And uh, we very much appreciate Matt's work. Now, just before we get um, to Dr. Matt Shelton and um, the rest of the wonderful doctors we're going to bring on, um, Liz, we would just really like to play um, uh, a poem. Okay. We're going to have a little uh, interlude um, and it's also got a, a little ad on there for uh, baby Will where you can actually buy, um, well, not him a coffee, but you know, his family a coffee. So um, they can put it towards everything uh, that Will needs, including the big legal case that they've got going on. Um, so if we could please line up uh, video number four, that would be great.
It matters for everyone in, in our society that they have a, you know, freedom of choice. That's been completely taken away by the governments and the, the so-called powers. Most of us have uh, made a freedom of choice, but this baby doesn't seem to qualify to have freedom of choice. Can anybody please tell me why they will not operate? Just set a date, will they cooperate? Their way is A, but there's an option B. Will they stop and see that baby will represent not only you and me, but every baby from now until eternity? Willpower and determination will determine the future of this nation. I'm in absolute admiration of your ma and pa for standing their ground and not doing anything unwillingly. Your eyes tell me you came here to do this to ensure the whole world will see. Your purpose is to expose the health industry and you will succeed. These doctors are standing on the wrong side of history. Will the world start witnessing and open their eyes to see that you have exposed how disgusting this agenda truly can be? Will, you will live. Willow trees blow in the Auckland breeze and for every leaf that drops it represents another mind opening because of you, Will. When these doctors and politicians sleep, I'm unsure how they manage. They got purposely hurting you, Will, this is willful damage. But the nation is going to watch you grow because you have only just begun your story. Will, I hope you know that we love you. So please um, help this family in any way you can. Share that link. Buy them a coffee. Um, it's really, really important that uh, we, we get behind them um, as much as we can. And it's such an illusion. Buy them a coffee. You can buy them 50 coffees if you yes, want. That's we right. can, you can buy as many coffees as you feel inclined to do for a family who are deeply grateful for all the help and that's who it. are by our government being put through hell right now as you earlier with Sam. I thought that was a very good interview, Kelvin, with Matthew. He's he's such a solid man and he reflects the solidity of the legal team that has gathered around Sue Gray. And she, I think, gave one of the best performances as I've seen from her. And it wasn't a performance. It was right from her heart outside court and in court last Wednesday. So she'll be on fire this Tuesday in the High Court. And I think that just goes to show that... Um... Uh, despite a lot of people being disheartened in the legal system, there are still some good lawyers out there who are actually on the right side of this fight. Matthew's a hero. Yeah, he's an absolute hero. He's done a wonderful job for the defence boys too.